It is the APC podcast here at AcmePackingCompany.com, part of SB Nation and Box Media, talking Packers all of the time. The only Green Bay Packers podcast on the internet. Don't Google that. I know that joke's not funny, but I'm going to beat it to death. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter, holding it down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with an elderly cat sleeping behind me, perhaps snoring audibly. We'll find out in post-production. No Alex Patakis today on the show. He is uh, stuck at work. He mentioned something about a pesky salesperson, so insert your Dunder Mifflin joke here. Um, But courtesy of our fabulous engineer Amber Watson over at the Craig Newmark School of Journalism in New York City, we are joined by Ben Foldy. Ben, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. I'm still a little sick, but not my voice is slightly improved from last time. You sound good to me. Ready to talk some draft. It is draft season after all and this is uh, one of two episodes we're going to do we're going to focus on the offense here today the Packers have 10 total picks in the draft that's two firsts one second a third two fourths a fifth two sixths and a seventh that is a lot of swings at the plate and uh, rather than trying to sort of cram the entire textbook into your head the the night before the big test we kind of thought it would be fun and a bit easier to digest to sort of make things a little bit more bite-sized. So we're sort of calling this names to know on offense heading into the into the draft. And uh, you know, we'll talk defense next week with Justice Mosqueda. But today uh, we have the privilege of being joined by our good friend, Jake Ogden, at Seeds of Jake on Twitter. Jake, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. It's our pleasure. You're a scholar and a gentleman. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Longtime listeners will know Jake from uh, his draft insights last year, but uh, Jake, for the newbies, maybe give us the Cliff's notes on kind of who you are and uh, what kind of content maybe people can expect from you if they're following you. I I worked at uh, Columbia University for for a year or so, working with sort of like just scouting, video video scouting and stuff. Yeah, preparing each week and then working with uh, with their scout team, and then the, and then my friend now works over at uh, Army. All right. Uh, well, let's jump in. So the Packers have a, what, a 12th, picking 12th and 30th, I think, as it stands. I think rather than try to predict who, who will go at any given point is a fool's errand. But if we kind of take the Bob McGinn approach and say, oh, these are names that will go in the top 100, um, what are some names that you think would interest the Packers uh, on the on the early on day one kind of names? Well, I mean, we've kind of seen a little bit now with with Budikens that he's it's been a little bit more open with how he uses the the top thirty visits. So we've seen what is it like? I think by my count, it's been five offensive linemen that are probably going to go in the top fifty that they've taken a look at, which is Andre Dillard, uh, Jonah Williams. Caleb McGarry. So I think I think if a guy I got for like the twelfth overall pick, I, I would I would assume if they're gonna look for a guy like my my favorite offensive lineman in, in this class is Andre Dillard. I just think he's yeah. And I know people are kind of like a bit nervous of that it could be the next Jason Spray because he's tested off the charts and and the problem is he is he's a pretty much a left tackle. He's only played left tackle. Um so that's the the big concern. Can he switch over to right tackle if they took him? And then there's Jonah Williams. But a lot of these guys did not test, like did not beat the Packers threshold. So it's a bit kind of all over the place. Like uh, Jawan Taylor didn't test. Yeah. So we don't really know. And he's a strictly right tackle. So I would say if they do like, and they don't, they typically go after guys that are left tackles and then convert them. So yeah, exactly. 
if I had to put my money on it, like if they really wanted to take a, a, a tackle at 12, it probably would be under Dewey. That seems the only name that kind of makes sense, both in terms of the Packers' thresholds and the kind of demonstrated left tackle tendency. Is Cole Madison a left tackle in college? No, he was he was strictly a right tackle, and they moved. Him yeah, right. so it, it is possible that they moved away from that a little. That's what I was kind of thinking, and that's when they brought in Jonah Williams. I was like, maybe they will put in. Like they could. I mean, I would love Jonah Williams. You could instantly put him at right tackle. Well, you could put him at right guard. Or, or, or obviously, when at some point, when um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Brian Bulaga. <laughs> yeah, Bulaga. I don't know why I just blank, but Bulaga. Yeah, he's at some point he's going to be injured. Yeah, during the season, so you could plug in someone like John. Lynch. Well, there's a certain set of Packer fans that already want to forget Brian Bulaga's name, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird. That's I the cut Bulaga truthers is a is a weird thing. I don't totally get. Yeah, no, I he's a great player. He just has. Just has injury concerns. His knees are made of dust at this point, but he's still a great player. Yeah, I mean, and why would you not take the cheap games you can get out of him? I just don't understand the logic of trying to move on um, for for a lot. You know, it's I I think if any team can handle some turnover historically on the line, you know, you know, I don't I don't know where the next Lane Taylor is, but the Packers probably do. Yeah. Although I guess last year was kind of an indictment of trusting that the Packers know what's going on with their offensive line at some point. Right. But so, okay, so Andre Dillard, I think, would make sense on the OL at 12. What are some other names that you've been looking at? Well, obviously, the, the two big common names have been the Iowa Titans, which yeah. is TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. I personally think that, that Noah Fant would be a better fit. I, I totally understand why people want TJ Hawkinson. And he's a great blocker. He's a great. He's probably an overall better player right now if you yeah. put him in the offense. But I think the ceiling for Noah Fant is so high. Just from the athletic profile. Just from the athletic profile, and 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 I get it. Like he's more of like a. He's more like a, a typical like a. He's like an out wide. He, he's like a McCarthy. Uh, you know, I mean, if if you're gonna sign Jimmy Graham, you might as well sign. You know, draft Noah Fant. I think. <laughs> exactly like he's he's basically a flex tight end right now but he can block and he doesn't get enough credit that he is actually a decent blocker yeah he can be the type of guy like he is the jared cook but a better blocker yeah it's a little hard to tell about you know on top of the ted thompson turnover you have now the why am i blanking on the new coach's name like a total idiot Matt uh, yeah lafleur i kept wanting to say lefebvre and i'm like no that's too quebec hey welcome welcome to blanking on that <laughs> yeah, so matt like but like, if it's hard to know what Lafleur's tendencies are too, because he wasn't necessarily in a position to call the shots on personnel in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't have any say of what they were like. He just had to fall into what they had. So it's really it's it's pretty difficult to know. You know, you should kind of try to look for some consistencies across those teams, right? It's like, you know, for all I know, he wants an Austin Hooper tight end. You know, he was on that. He helped put that team together. But you know. But he does, you know, I guess when you look at it, the Shanahan offenses, like the teams that he's been a part of have all, have all managed to run through the tight end pretty effectively. Jordan Reed, you know, George Kittle kind of busted out for, for the Niners under Shanahan last season. Johnny Smith, I think, is the best tight end prospect of two years ago. Um, like he's, he's who I wanted the Packers to take in the third round. Yeah, he was a part of that great class. Yeah, everyone keeps talking about that. This is this class, and it's like it's not really. I, I think outside of the Iowa tight end, maybe Jay Sternberger, 
it falls off pretty pretty drastically. Yeah, it's so front loaded, I think. But the front loading is really like quality. Like I don't really see either of those guys missing. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm partial to Hawkinson, I think. Um, but mostly because I don't know exactly what LaFleur wants to do with tight ends in the new offense. And because I think that, you know, just the older Rodgers gets, the the more you can have a player on the field you can trust as a blocker and and throw more wrinkles into the playbook like that. I think that's okay. No, it, it, it makes a ton of sense to have someone like Hawkinson. One, it helps out. It helps out, like you said, to help pass protection, but yeah. also helps in how like Hawkinson is ridiculous at blocking, and he yeah, creates yeah. such great cutback lanes. And guess who is Mr. Cutback? Is Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones. Like, yeah, he's off the cutback. So I yeah. could see them just saying that, like, hey, like we're going to take Hawkinson at twelve because it adds to our offense in so many other ways. That, and he can, we can take time to develop him in the passing game. We can put him on the field because we know he's a, a dependable blocker. So yeah. I think that that is maybe the reason that they go for someone like him over Noah Fan. Like that they, they have to have a whole separate game plan for him. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's interesting, too, is that, is that this is not really a... This doesn't seem like a great draft for the, the normal kind of high premium positions, right? It's more so... It's, it's, I mean, it's heavy on the defense side. Yeah. I mean, the wide receiver class, I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but the wide receiver class, I think, is scary. What, what I like about the wide receiver class is that I think you can get some of the best names on the board, not in the first round. Oh, absolutely. I think the 30 to the 44 range is, like, it's pretty nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So I guess, uh, so let's agree, I think, I think we're agreed that Packers don't go... I'm not certain the Packers go on the offensive side of the ball at all at 12, but if they do, they're not going at wide receiver or running back. I think that's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah, definitely definitely not running back, definitely not quarterback. Um, if they do go offensive line, I, I guess by by the specials that we've seen and how Budapest likes his athletes, the only guy that I can see that makes sense is Andre Dillard. But I tend to think that they don't do that, and I think, and that's why I'm kind of like, is it is the value? Is it worth it to take a tight end? Just overall, the grand scheme of things, I don't know either. And I mean, I think I at think... thirty, at thirty, that makes sense. If Hawk or Fant falls to thirty, I can easily see the Packers making that move. Yeah, or trading up from thirty makes sense. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of DK, and and if it just you have to have a certain game plan for DK if you do take him at twelve. Yeah, I'm not. I guess I don't. I don't see him adding as much to the Packers as I do other players in the draft at positions of need. But I'm probably higher on a few. I'm, I'm both higher on the Packers' existing options, and I'm higher on people later in the draft than I maybe should be. Because I, uh, so I guess, so it, it, I think 30 is as good a place as any to start talking about the second round, too. Like, I think that if I, if Ted Thompson were in charge of this team, I would have a difficult time believing that he did not take J.J. Arcega, uh Whitehead at at in the second round he's got he's like exactly the packers kind of old teb thompson second round profile kind of guy to me yeah i mean well he he will take a while to develop you think i think so he's more of a jump ball kind of receiver mm -hmm. he'll take time i mean i think his his hands are are are, are really nice and that's probably his best attribute but i mean at stanford it's usually throw those jump balls mm -hmm. and that's that's the one thing i worry about now he tested pretty well um at his pro day, I guess he was going through something. He didn't touch the combine. Um, 
But like, and that's like in your in your mind, your range at forty four would be someone like him. Well, I just to me, it's like the classic Ted Thompson second round guy, where it's like he's kind of shied off the bigger names. Like to me, the comp is kind of Jordy Nelson with him. Probably takes a couple of years, but the physical tools are there. Yeah, I could kind of see it. One guy I could see it, but if if he, if he tested well, which I'm so I'm so bummed that he didn't, which is Kelvin Harmon. I thought he reminded me a ton of Jordan. Was who? He, Kelvin Harmon. He say I thought he he his ball his like sideline awareness his ball skills this are so Jordy esque. Yeah, but he, he just didn't test well at all. So I, I don't think he's remotely on the Packers radar. So what about do you think is is Second round is is not too early for. I mean, do you think Nikhil Henry drops that far? I don't. I think I think if you like Nikhil Henry is one of my favorite prospects in this class, and I think that he's one of those guys that, that I don't know how much he's going to contribute early, um, just because of his limited route running, mm-hmm. um, and he's more of a jump ball guy. I mean, he struggles to separate sometimes, um, but his like his ball skills like. His like big playability is unmatched compared to other players in this class, and I think he reminds me a ton of of Devontae Adams coming out of Fresno, especially yeah. how they use him, which was go balls, hit you, um, maybe a, like a drag, like that's all he was used. And I think that like I mean, in, in smoke screens too. So I, I think that if you have if you have a specific route diet for a guy like Nikhil Harry, I think he could be like especially if you already have an established receiver like Devontae. He mm-hmm. doesn't have to be forced into being like this guy that he's probably not. Yeah. And hopefully you've got, he needs to go to a, a, like hopefully a good sort of team that can coach him. Unlike Dallas, which they didn't teach Des, <laughs> they taught him like, I guess, a rudimentary uh, uh, route tree. So hopefully mm-hmm. he needs to go to a place that can sort of, you know, perfect his skills. And I think that, that he would be a really great fit, but I think they would have to, they would have to move up to go get him in the first round. I think move goes, up from 30. Goes, yeah, I think he goes earlier than people think. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, I think he's probably the best wide receiver prospect in this in this draft. I mean, I guess it sounds like maybe you think DK Metcalf is better. I I mean, they're they're both they're they're somewhat similar in a way. Like DK is the same sort of situation, but instead he's only lined up on the left side at yeah. this. He's ran like what, three routes, but he's he's an elite deep set. And yeah, he, and he's like physically a, just a, a machine. Like he's on he is a machine, and he's another one of those things that I think he he needs to take time to develop and be in the right the right system, the right system, right fit, whatever you whatever you want. But I think that Nikhil Harry, I think give him two years in a in a system with a with a an already established wide receiver one. I mean, he's going to be special. Yeah, because you can you can give him time, and I think I think in a year or two he's going to be like he's going to be in that like Devontae. Allen Robinson sort of like here. I mean, he's a good player. And then uh, what are some other names you're thinking in the second, third round, maybe? I would say, I would say second round. I think uh, a guy like that, I, the guy you could start right away. And the only problems with him are, are injuries and age, which is Debo Samuel. I yeah. think he is. I think he's going to be a star right away. He's a guy you can plug and play right away. Like he is just such, he's probably, the, in my opinion, he's the best route runner strong too oh my god i mean he's built like i guess some people have compared him to randall cobb i can kind of see it but i mean he's 20 pounds bigger than randall cobb and he's about two two and a half inches uh taller than Randall. so i mean he is rocked up and yeah. he can run 
his feet are his footwork is absurd. So I really like him at 44. Um, I tend to think that AJ Brown slips a little bit, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm not as high on AJ Brown as others. I mean, I really do like AJ Brown, and I think it fits the mold of what the Packers were were looking for as a big slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could be there around 44. Um, and is it too early to take Andy Isabella? At forty four, yeah, yeah, absolutely, way too. Okay, but but I, I mean, I, I I I'm guessing you're a fan of. Isabella. I I think Andy Isabella makes sense, but I I think forty four is too early for him. Um, I I, I mean, don't he's think da- he's a day two by the season for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody does take him that early, but I don't think anybody necessarily should. If that makes sense, like I could see a team being really high on him and being like, yeah, we'll take it. Um, oh yeah, I mean he can probably go late, late two, early, early three. I mean yeah. that's probably his range. Um, I mean I like him at seventy five. I think yeah. he's he's another guy that like is he can go inside outside, but he's just a small. I mean, he's like what five eight. He's, he's a, yeah I mean, five nine ish or something. He's yeah he's I mean, definitely he, small. Yeah, I mean if I if I was gonna get Andy Isabella at thirty five, I'd rather go try to get uh, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, you said. Perfect. Yeah, I'd rather go try to get him and like trade up because I think he's going to go anywhere between twenty-one and thirty. I'm guessing, which I'm kind of surprised because he's he's what five nine, one hundred and sixty-six pounds, and coming mm-hmm. off a a broken foot. So th- this is going to be like unprecedented that we get this small of a receiver to go in this position. Yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't know that. To me, that seems like the kind of thing that the NFL, not like the group think, might kind of conspire against him going in the first, just because it, you know, the size thing. It's a big ask, I think. You know, like it's like somebody coming off an injury, right? Like it's like you, you've, you've, you got the guaranteed money in the first round. You've always got that. It always seems like NFL teams are more are more uh, risk averse just like the first round stigma almost of, of certain players. Like they'd, you know, somebody not the, the stigma of having a first round or not pan out is enough to kind of make some people wait till the second round for players who are first round talents, you know, because of something like size or injury or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So I guess what, we're up through 75. Uh, what are some other names you're, you're interested in? 
Uh, guy at 75, I, I would assume this is probably a little bit early for some, but I would take uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. out of Nebraska. I like him. I think he is one of the – he has not gotten enough recognition. I think he's gotten – I think he's gotten more so on, like, Twitter. Mm-hmm. But, like, mainstream, he has not gotten any love. And I think he's one of the best set speakers in, like, in this draft for receiving. What do you like about him? I mean, he posted, like, in terms of just, like, overall uh, athletic ability, like, he posted, like, I think the best, uh, like, three-cone, the best short shuttle. Um, he just, like, overall put together a really, really good sort of, like, um, just profile. And I mm-hmm. think that he is, just the way he, like, I think his routes are really good. I think uh, he's an exceptional blocker. And, and there's a couple of games I saw like two years ago when he was playing Iowa, like he went up against Josh Jackson and he smoked him for a one-handed touchdown. Mm. Like he's just uh, like, he just improves each and every year with his route. And I think he is, I think he is one of the better route runners in this class too. And he just doesn't get talked about. And he probably will go, um, I'm guessing he'll go early day three um, just because he's just not gotten enough love. And I think that he is going to surprise a lot of people. Like he's just, he's a hard worker. He's just going to be one of those guys that just, is just going to like just stick around in the NFL for a long time. I'm rooting for, for him because, uh, his, whenever I see his name, I just re- accidentally read it backwards as Morgan Stanley, which is an investment bank. So <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of nickname potential there. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking before. All right. Don't call him Morgan Stanley. Don't call him Morgan Stanley. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, that if, if, if last year was a trend, right, in terms of if we're if we're taking the Gudikons draft as a limited sample yeah. size, like day three wide receivers might be something might be, you know, an if an efficiency that he aims at. And that and that sounds like a name that could come up. Oh, I mean, if if this was Ted Thompson running this team, Stanley Morgan Jr. would be a Packer. Without a doubt, in my mind. He like he is the perfect profile, like height, weight speed, everything. Like, he fits the perfect profile of what Ted Thompson wanted in a play. Yeah. Now, can I ask a question? You know, some people kind of, some people look at the Packers and they see a crowded wide receiver room at this point, while others see a need for more talent. So, I mean, it sounds like you're in the in the more talent camp, or just, like, why not always, always bring in as much fresh blood as you can? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it's been, like, there's been a lot of, I mean, we, we just had reporting from uh, what Rob Demofsky and Tom Silverstein, that wide receiver is not going to be a high priority. And no offense to them, I don't think that they really know, and I don't think that we know what the Packers are going to do, what their sort of needs are. I think that we, uh, we as, as uh, news consumers, need to be very wary of anything that comes out as a fact about the way a team is or is not going to approach uh, the draft here within the, like, the, the two-week lead-up, because this is like smokescreen period, for sure. Oh, absolutely like we're yeah we're, we're seven days away and and there was like a reporting that we went to go or we we brought in andrew or Dulac. like what do you think that was it was a smoke screen like and they oh the packers you know what they're telling rob demosky all about like how they don't want to target a wide receiver they're gonna really gonna tell him that yeah. we don't know anything and they don't know anything and it's not it's not disrespect to them but it's just it's the game. It's the game. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not that anybody's like wrong. It's just the way the game is. Yeah, and and to, to answer your question about our depth, I, I think that I, I think we're one injury away, one Devontae Adams injury away from a complete nightmare. I mean, we've seen it in years past. 
That is totally true. Yeah. And, and it's not that I don't like MDS and I don't like EQ. And Ben knows like how much that I like EQ. And I like both of them. I even like Jamar. I mean, I'm really big on EQ. I know. And, and I think, I think, I think, I think either EQ or MDS is going to have a huge jump. One of those guys is going to do it, but that's yeah. still not enough. Yeah. I mean, well, what about Geronimo though? I like Geronimo, but he's also on a one-year deal. Yeah. His name is Jake Kumro. who's on a one-year deal. He's also 27. He's been in the NFL for three years. He has not yet proved anything yet. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be like that, that guy that's just like, well, he's an undrafted agent. He's not going to make it. But it's probably likely that they don't make it. Yeah. And it's, and, it's, and it's not to say that they can't do it, but it's just that the likelihood of it is so slim. The one place where that gets weird is I, I, I still believe that EQ is, like a, is at least a day two talent that just for whatever reason slipped to where he did. Yeah. Oh, because his quarterback sucked, and it, and if and if the Sean Kaiser stayed, and they hated his they, parents. I don't know. Like I have, I have no explanation for why EQ <laughs> lasted to the seventh round, or, but or sixth round, or whatever he lasted to. But I do think that his dad had something to do with it. Oh yeah, I mean they thought that he was like the next Lavar Ball. I mean I can totally understand NFL teams staying far away from that. Yeah, I mean I think they're wrong about that, but I do, I do like. Yeah. Like to me, like just statistic, you know, statistic profile, physical profile, production, EQ is a legit talent and young. I mean, EQ is what twenty two this season, I think. He's twenty two. Marquise is, I think he's like twenty four already. He's yeah. So to me, EQ is the is the horse. If I'm if I'm betting on one of those guys for long term future, EQ's the guy. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it makes yeah it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think I think NBA well. Both guys surprised. I mean, they both slashed last year. And I think that they're both capable of being a solid, solid wide receiver. Yeah. Like opposite of Devontae. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to bet on that both of them work out or even all three of them work out is, is stupid. Yeah. And I, think that, and I think that's the same thing to say, like, you know, we have, we have Geronimo Allison on a one-year deal and same with Kumaro. Those guys don't, like, they don't factor into, like, 2000, you know, past 2019. Yeah. And I think that we have to start looking at young talent. Like, so if we went after, like, I'm just saying, I, I gave a trade scenario a couple of weeks ago about how the, the CLC Hawks has four draft picks, and they're probably going to trade back. That's a prime target. We've already traded with Dan Snyder before. Mm-hmm. And moving, and let's say we do want to go get McKeel Harris, and we go move up to jump the Ravens. I think having, bringing in a guy like McKeel Harris, you can put him on special teams. You can kind of give him, you can give him a, a specific route diet and kind of a game plan for him. You can kind of help him along as he progresses. He's going to have, he's going to have to do the same thing that Devontae did with Warren Ross. It just has to, I mean, he, he, has, he has the natural ability to do it. You see it and do it like with what he has with smoke screens and all that stuff, but he has to develop more of a route tree. But I think that he would be, a, I think it'd be great to have someone like him. One thing that we've, we've, I think we're in relative agreement on is that the Packers are not going to go chasing after running back too early in the draft but there are some names I, I i think you and i have the same names that we're interested in as far as the running backs go i i, I know that the name that we both agree on is is darwin thompson oh absolutely darwin darwin is like a, a life-size version of terry Cohen. yeah <laughs> and he's someone you target as a day three guy yeah he's gonna be like a day because he's like i think he's only five eight 200 pounds um, but, yeah, but I mean, that two hundred pounds is pretty. It's like he's a he's a chunky boy. Like it's he's. Did you, that's, did you that's see like, his, Did you see the Twitter picture that floated around after like after his pro day? 
Yeah. He looks all like like he's rocked. Yeah. Uh, and then but he's he's also I mean he's he's what? He's got twenty pounds on Tariq Cohen, I think. Oh, easily. I don't think Tariq Cohen's even one ninety. He's like getting more and he's more dug or not than uh <laughs> yeah, he muscle hamster than uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's he's rocked out. He would be par- like I, I don't think that they're gonna I don't think the Packers are gonna be touching a running back on in the first round. Uh, in day two, I think they're gonna. I think that they will. They have to get one at some point. Yeah, I mean, you have ten picks. If you don't come away with a running back, you don't understand the NFL. Kind of. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, Darwin Thompson. I guess one of the things that I, I so he's more. I think I read an interview with him or something. He was comparing himself to Jarek McKinnon, which I thought was an interesting comp. That's good. that's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, and but, I and I think he's a I think he's a, a, a more of a natural runner than McKinnon because McKinnon was in like some sort of triple option weird Georgia State shit. Yeah, good. well, and Cohen was kind of Cohen is a little more like that too, the kind of gadgetry. Yeah, but it's like I think that, and this is another thing where it's hard to tell with Lafleur, right? Like, does he want a Dion Lewis? Does he want you know like is that his call? Did he want to build that offense? But but Thompson seems to me to be kind of, and Alex, if he were here, I know would would be on this trip too. That the contemporary NFL timeshare pass catching value back, like Darwin Thompson, is about as good as you can get, and especially in a weak running back year like like this year, mm-hmm. um, Thompson is is kind of the guy that I would be excited coming away with on day three. I know that you're you've been a Miles Gaskin truther for a long time. That's literally your Twitter bio. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love Miles Gaskin. I'm a bit disappointed that he he didn't test as well as I thought he would, but but I think that it's been proven that the you don't necessarily need these freak athletes to be good running backs. Yeah, and I think just I think Miles Gaskin, like most of these running backs, and most players just need to right land in the right sort of right scheme, right coaching, etc. And I think Miles My, Gaskin could be. I mean, I would love him if we could get him. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the zone scheme. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's—he just didn't test as well as I thought he would. Yeah, but I—I I think he was dealing with in, like a bunch of injuries last year. Too. Yeah, I—he—he—I—I I, I think he would have been a lot better suited coming out last year than than this year. Yeah, I'm not sure why he did that. I mean, he—a lot of these guys like Bryce Love got dinged up too, and Rodney Anderson got booked. He wasn't—he wasn't—he couldn't enter the draft last year, but. But still, you get there's the talented players right now are like actually like dinged up. Like mm-hmm. I think I think Bryce Love is probably the best running back in this class if he didn't uh, tear his ACL. And then exactly. he's got all these ankle injuries. So I'm a bit like once you get like when you get guys that are like five eight and they're like barely two hundred pounds and they start already having ankle and knee injuries, that's when you start to get concerned. But I think he could be. I mean, to me, he is a Deion Lewis type of player. Mm-hmm. So if if Lafleur does want to mimic what he did in in Tennessee, I mean they could take a late like I'm talking like probably a six round pick. You could probably get Bryce Love and yeah. just have him in there. And I don't think he'll be ready until the end of training camp if they're lucky. So, but he would be a player that'd be kind of fun. They um, could match that. I think uh, I also really like that it. it's been kind of a little bit late in the process, but I really love Miles Sanders from Penn State. Miles Sanders, you said? Yeah, I really yeah. like him. I think I think his profile, his athletic profile, he tested the best out of any any running backs, I think. Overall. Mm-hmm. Like his athletic profile is insane. 
Um, I think if, if LaFleur wanted like a bigger, uh, more in between the tackles, but also shifty and you can use him in the passing game. Cause I think LaFleur definitely made a point to say that like he wanted a, no matter what his running backs that they, they have, it was, it's a nice added dimension to be in the passing game. I think that I think his, he needs backs that can catch. So yeah. I think that he, it'd be nice to have a guy that you can, a 220 pound guy you could pair with Aaron Jones. Well, it sounds like Derrick Henry kind of, right? Like, I mean, and again, I'm wary of falling too much into this. Like, well, you know, the 2019 Packers are going to look like the 2018 Titans. But I do think that I look at Jamal Williams and I look at Aaron Jones and I'm like, okay, I can see like the vague resemblance from Derrick Henry. And I mean, I think Derrick Henry is more of a physical freak. Yeah, I mean, he's like a, what, six foot three, 250 yeah. pound freak. Like he is a train running at you. I don't think Miles Sanders has some sort of like, like he's got... Uh, nice footwork. His running style is super smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not look like a 200-pound back, but he runs like he he can hit you. But he's he's got really nice feet. So I think I, that he would be an interesting fit. I do have to say that I think both of us last year were were reasonably high on Chase Edmonds, and we were probably right about that. Yeah, he looked good around this time of year. What are some other names you're you're interested in later in the draft? So, like, a, a guy that I like super late that has gotten a little buzz on Twitter but not mainstream is the uh, uh, tight end out of, uh, uh, what is it, San Jose State, which is Josh Oliver. Mm-hmm. What do you like about him? I just think he's he's a guy you can kind of develop over time. Like, he's, he's what, six foot five, two 250 pounds. His athletic profile is much better than any, like, uh, what, Irv Smith, um, Jace. Uh, Sternberger, he just tested so well, and I think he he did well at the Senior Bowl. I think just overall, like he's a tight end that you can develop. He's the type of guy that you can kind of put in your system late and just see like if you can develop him over time. He's mm-hmm. a guy that I would I would want over. Like I know a lot of people kind of uh, want Foster Moreau to be like the next George Kittle. I don't really see it. I think he's a good blocking tight end, but I'm not sure if he can be the next George Kittle. Um, but someone like Josh Oliver, I think he's a guy you can really develop to become like a passing, pass-catching tight end. I was going to say, in tight end, I mean, traditionally has been a position where it's pretty tough to have a rookie impact. And I think it's one of those things where fans have gotten a little confused by recency bias where, you know, we had some kind of historically strong rookie tight end classes. And then even some of those guys are limited contributors early on. You know, O.J. Howard's fantastic. And and he's still like, you know, splits time with Cameron Bray. So Yeah, exactly. And then um who else? David Njoku, like he I mean it he kind of Njoku's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. But he like but he he still has a long time to come on. I mean, and then you go back you go back further, you're talking about guys like Max Williams, you're talking about um, you know, Eric Ebron. How many people had written him off? Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's the other thing. Like he needed to one it's it's all about what happens, like where these players end up in what system, how did they develop them? Like it could be a whole mess of things. And usually tight ends take off on their, on their second team or second contract. Yeah. Third or year, just, fourth year. Just, yeah, or they just need to be in a better system that's better suited to them. And I think yeah. that's, I think we see that. And I think, I think a lot of people forget that is like, it's not so much the player's fault that they land in these like shitty situations with the coaches who don't, you know, don't bend their offense to them and they force these players into these, you know, that they're not unconventional ways that they don't, they've never played before. Yeah. The Detroit lions made Amir Abdullah bad. 
Yeah, which is insane. I mean, I know he dealt with injuries, but like... I don't actually think Amir Abdullah is a bad football player, but the Lions definitely made it seem that way. Are there any names that you think are really overrated or that are big red flags that the Packers should avoid that you, you know, you groan if they're taken? Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to groan if they take Paris Campbell. Oh, okay. That's fair. Is it a size thing? What's your, what's your beef? My, my beef is that he's, he's a guy that's like, and he's an absolute freak. Like, like his athletic profile is absurd. And I, and I get it. You could do a lot, but I think that he, his hands are terrible. Uh-huh. He's basically like a track star that basically they put him at wide receiver and just said, go. Yeah. And he just has no clue about route running. And people think that he's a deep threat. He's not. You have to put him in this slot. Like he's, he, that's all that, that's all they, they use him as like, he's like a huge gadget. Like he's a yeah. six foot gadget. And I just don't, he's a guy you have to like, kind of take along and, he, and he's also older he's a, he's a senior i think he's like already 23 yeah so like the fact that he has like he has no i don't know where his route running ability is right now at this age and all he's known is this certain urban meyer system and i think that that's a, that's a huge red flag for me all right guys uh, a lot to chew on there and some fun options on offense and uh, hopefully you guys at home come away feeling like you know something about some of these players and you can follow along with the with the draft and have some fun with it because I, I think you know a little knowledge certainly makes it more fun and so to that end jake thank you so much for dropping some serious knowledge on us man we really appreciate it next week we are going to focus on the defense with justice mosqueda until then you can follow our guest jake on twitter at seats of jake is that right that is correct follow him on twitter and uh, follow us as well at the APC pod uh, individually at all of our names. So we'll see you guys next week to talk defense as we get ready to head into Brian Gutekunst's uh, second, second NFL draft as the GM of the Green Bay Packers. So until then, keep it locked into AcmePackingCompany.com. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Pack Go. Hey,